open bar too. <laughs> there you go. Put the keg on my coffin That's and right. think of me every so often. That's what the song says. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. I now have people texting me happy birthday. On <laughs> 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 the old National Bank talking text line, we were wrapping up with Mark Tauscher there, and he was talking about when, what's your window for wishing someone a happy birthday yeah. via text. If you're in too early... Feels like you're just scratching something off your list. Mm, yep, yep, yep. If you're in late, well, you forgot. Yep, yep. Seems like the wheelhouse is three days before and in. But not after? But not after. Now, after you're late. But mm. I was just saying that I got, there are about six or eight people on the planet that I care whether they wish me a happy birthday. My kids, my wife, my parents, that's, about, that's all I need. Thanks. And even at that... Because I'm just I'm not I'm not into my birthday. So whatever, that's me. I know I'm in the minority nice on me. that. Right? Do not be <laughs> that's nice. That's not the message. And so by now, the way, it's not your birthday today. It's not. But now everyone's texting me happy birthday. No, I have to just tell you that every day. I'm gonna, right. Might as well. <laughs> so I'm going to take it 180 degrees. Instead of talking about birthdays, let's talk about death. And this is on my mind lately for an assortment of reasons. My mom went to a funeral in Lacrosse for a family member. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. But it got me thinking about how we mourn our dead. And, you know, Eric and I are about the same age. You know, what? one day, barring any sort of tragedy or unforeseen set of circumstances, we all one day will bury our parents, right? I mean, that's the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. Unless, again, unless you've had a tragedy and it's the worst thing ever when a parent has to bury their child and, and go through that. But, you know, for most of us at some point in the future, mom, dad certainly grandparents and whatever. Sure. And and as the as the children, you and your siblings or if you're an only, you and whoever else is in your life are going to get together and try to plan that thing out. How are we going to say goodbye to mom or dad or the important people in our lives? <laughs> and being the age that we are and our parents are getting on, I don't know if this is happening at your house, but anytime I'm around, my parents have now taken occasion to tell me where certain things are. Ah, documents and whatnot. Okay. Just so you know, this is where all this stuff is. Sure. Right. I get that. This is where the safety deposit box key is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My mom collects antiques has since I was a kid. And from time to time, she'll point out various pieces that she may have. So how much they're worth. Yeah. Just, just so you know, this is, this is actually something, you know, it's a early 19th century, this, that, or the other. And it, so we don't put it out on the on the front lawn with a sign that says free, like our couch from the other day. Yeah. Just want to let you know. So those little hints, and I've learned to be receptive to that. They're reaching out. They want to help us. And the worst thing you can say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. You know. So they, they need to engage with us and, and start talking about this mm-hmm. planning. But I started thinking about when, you know, when that day comes and for families for whom it has come, how stressful that is. And how many things that you have to take care of while also then planning that funeral or memorial service, getting all the affairs in order, shutting down the Netflix. Right. Right. Where, who has the safety deposit box key? What's in that box? The will, the house, or whatever property you may have, all of the things. It just, you know, it makes your mind spin about how stressful that must be and time consuming. And then to think in those few short days you're also quickly even with pre-planning planning planning that funeral getting the word out 
putting the obituary and getting everybody together because we, and I say this respectfully, we seem so quickly to want to move along, right? And not, and, and get that closure. That's sort of one of the things about the memorial service or the funeral that you have is, well, we want to, you know, have this moment, we come together, we get that closure, and then we can move on. And so back to the story that I was telling before, my mom went to this funeral, my aunt and uncle who live on the Minnesota side of the Mississippi River, uh, my aunt, so my mom's brother's wife, my mom's sister-in-law, her father died recently. And it was one of those where he lived a long life and he'd had some health issues late in life. And one of those were in a situation like that, I always say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you and he have found rest, right? So it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, but he passed and it was actually weeks ago. And my mom just went to the funeral. And for an f- assortment of reasons, they had to delay the funeral. This is my aunt and uncle that I had on during the flooding out west. Oh, uh, right. Yes. And so among other things, their house was like they couldn't even get to their home for a matter of days, if mm-hmm. not more than a week. And so that and a number of other factors contributed to them needing to delay the memorial service and, and the funeral. And so he was cremated. So that takes out some of the logistics. I understand you can't leave people if you want to have an open casket funeral. There are things that you need to do with expediency in mind. But he was cremated, so they delayed everything, and they set a date where everybody, mostly, who wanted to come was able to come. Yeah, okay. And my mom was telling me how pleasant that was and how without the pressure she felt of immediate family having to get through all those other things that you get through in those moments after someone dies, plus the fact that they could let people know well in advance some of whom were going to have to travel. Here's where we're going to get together and have all this. And they had the religious funeral. I think they're, they're Lutheran on that side of the family. So they, they had a church, an actual funeral, and all, and all those things. But they still delayed it weeks out. And how much she thought that that really helped in the grieving process. Well, I wonder, are we seeing this? Is this a trend, a growing trend? I do remember that um, my wife's grandfather... Their fu- his funeral was delayed by a couple of months because it was January. He lived in northern Wisconsin, and there was no way they could they could dig, and so they mm-hmm. waited until mm-hmm. it had warmed up, and there was a thaw, and then that way they could they could bury him. I just I wonder if, and again, I understand that there there are reasons right where we sometimes do things with expediency in mind, but thinking about. Myself one day in that position and all of the other stressors, I wonder if sometimes instead of wanting to, because then, you know, once the funeral's happened, talk with people who've been through the grieving process, then all of a sudden you're just sort of there and alone in the world if you've lost both Hmm. your parents or people kind of go away then after those first several days or week and then... Now, like the real grieving or the loneliness might set in. And if you maybe have that thing further out where, you know, boy, family and friends and everybody are going to come back here in a couple of weeks or whatever it is, maybe that's better. I know it's the direction I'd like to go. I mean, we haven't had that conversation with my parents just yet. And I got to tell you, I'm not looking forward to that either. But it it just gave me pause, Eric, of wondering, like, are we kind of doing this wrong? Is maybe our thinking wrong on this that we should actually push that further out For a number of reasons. The other one, too, as people who are called upon to go to funeral services, that's stressful, too, right? It's hard to get to one. It is sometimes. In just a couple of days. Yeah. My buddy Mark has a saying. He says, weddings are optional. Funerals are mandatory. Mm -hmm. You have to be there for someone in their time of grief. Yeah. But someone dies Sunday and they're like, okay, um, 
and you're concerned about that. When's uh, when are services? Well, Wednesday at 10 a.m. is the visitation, and you're like, "Boh, that's two days from now." And maybe you have things, and you don't want to have these conversations, right? Maybe you're driving your kid to camp that day, right? Or you hate to say it, but a big thing at work that you can't miss. And I think most workplaces are very generous with their bereavement. They allow people the time that they need, but you hate to put people in that position. I've always said, (laughs) sticking with the birthdays theme, which I'm not a big fan of. If one person skips playing golf to go to my funeral, I will roll in my grave. (laughs) You know what? Don't do it. (laughs) You'd much rather everyone go play golf. Go play golf. Go do something. Your life. If you want to get together and have a party later, uh, that's fine too. And funerals. Speaking of sayings, funerals are for the living. They're not for the dead. So they're there to support the people who are grieving. Sure. sure. But I just wonder if uh, folks would have any reaction to that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the old national bank talk and text line. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Have you been to a delayed memorial service, or is that something that your family has considered, or something that you would want, or not? Nah, stick with it. We've been doing it this way for a pretty long time. We'll get some of your reaction coming up next on Wisconsin's Morning News. If heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there's no 822 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Talk about delaying funerals or memorial services until... You know, more than just a few days after someone passes, and I was sharing the experience that my mom uh, had a family funeral in the western part of Wisconsin, or actually just on the Minnesota side of the the Mississippi River, and it was weeks after uh, the person had passed, and she found it to be, like, remarkably pleasant that people were removed from the immediate stress of dealing with all of the affairs, more people could come because they could plan ahead, and just posing the question of whether maybe that's something that we can, can... Look for with increased uh, frequency. From the Old National Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. Both of my grandparents had delayed funerals in the past couple of years, and it made the services much more of a celebration rather than a grief event. I believe it was much more enjoyable for our family and, as discussed, much less stressful. I'm pro-delayed funeral. That from the 608. Seen a couple more, too. My mom asked, we wait for a celebration of life after she dies. Reason being, after death, feelings are raw and horrible. She wanted her life to be a celebration and for people to laugh. And they said that uh, mom passed away in 2017. They held the funeral almost a full month later, it seems. Glad we did it this way. Now, there are some religious reasons why you might do it sooner. And I know that that comes into play. And there's also that situation in Ecuador where they have, my gosh, they go so quick that one lady was still alive. Now, hang on. That happened. I know that's true, but... It's... I mean, there's a reason, usually because of the heat, I've learned. Then probably probably better they hung on. Yeah, you're right, right for better a little bit delayed. longer there. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, let me go to the phone. Sonia is on the line with us from West Dallas. Morning, Sonia. Good morning, guys. Um, I just wanted to say that, yes, I believe in pushing it off if that's possible in the moment. Um, my mother ended up um, getting sick just before Christmas, um, made the just difficult decision on Christmas to take her off all life-saving support, mm. um, and she passed away the day before New Year's Eve. Okay. Um, so while I had all the holidays going on, 
her assistant living facility, which was a full-sized apartment, um, told me I had one week to move her out of her apartment. So I had a lot <laughs> yeah. going on, um, and I was the only child taking care of anything. So everything fell on my shoulders, and I was I was too overwhelmed with having to even think about a funeral. So we ended up as a family pushing it off actually until August. She was cremated mm-hmm. right away, but we ended up pushing it off till August. Um, and we actually did it on her birthday. Oh, so that's cool. We did it at our family cabin. We spread her ashes. We had like a celebration of life. Um, it, it was more meaningful. Um, it felt completed. Um, I felt like finally, because at that point I had already had the estate and all the things finalized, settled. It finally like it was able for me to say goodbye. Um, because I was finally done with my portion of having to deal with the after effects. So the closure, you, you could still feel the closure despite it being eight months later. Yes. Hmm. Anybody yes. give and you pushback felt, on it, Sonia? It like, were people asking you, like, hey, what's, what's going on with this? No, no, everybody Good. actually totally was um, in the fact that they knew how heavy my burden was. Yeah. Um, which is having to make all the decisions and especially with it being the holidays and everything else. It was just, it was a really unexpected time. Um, it, we, we didn't expect that to happen. So for me to be able to, I didn't, I didn't feel complete until like everything financially yeah. was complete. If that makes sense. And, and I could actually put it to rest. Like she's at rest and all of her property and estate and everything else is at rest. I don't no longer have to worry about it. And it felt more, I felt more of a celebration of her life to be able to look back and say, I have completed this. I took care of it. I was there for her. And while I missed her, this is, complete now. Uh, Sonia, thanks so much for sharing that story, and I, I'm glad it worked out and you didn't get any pushback from folks because, it, as we say, the, the funerals are for the living and for surviving well, family to deal with it how they wish. sometimes, yeah, you want to, you, you might need that moment yeah. of, of grease or grief and solace. Uh, from the 262, hi guys, we delayed my dad's memorial service for several weeks to go out of town. Relatives could attend. It was a good decision. It gave us time to go through pictures for the service and to plan a meal. I was also able to keep up with all the writing of thank you notes. Thanks for your show. Understanding as well. Obviously, if it, you know if someone has a desire for an open casket, I'm not sure how that would work if you wanted to try to delay that or if you just have a small group for that moment and then the larger service mm, yeah, yeah. later on. Certainly that's an option. And Eric, you did mention you know, different religions have different sure. sort of rules yep. and guidelines about what, what they do and how they handle that. Uh, that notwithstanding, I think we're on to something here based on the uh, number of responses that I've had from folks who said, yeah, we delayed for various reasons, and we liked how that felt. 828 on Wisconsin's Morning News.
8.36 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Tuesday morning here, Greg Pancake Hill producing the show. Eric Bilstead back from up north, and I'm Vince Vetrano. We'll take you till 9 o'clock. Hey, the air quality thing today is no joke. Um, we talked with Storm Team 4 meteorologist Brian Nisdansky live about an hour ago, and Niz is n- not one of these alarmist meteorologists, right? He is not one of these people that's going to tell you it's the end of the world when we got a big snow or any of that. And even he was saying, not only is our air quality bad, but it's like historically bad right now. This is not only the worst of the Canadian wildfire smoke that we've seen so far this season, which has been round after round. This is the worst of it by far. I cannot recall an air quality index this bad in Milwaukee. So it's bad enough. He says you do need to be careful heading outside if you're going to be recreating that type of thing. Also said that it sounds like today could be the worst of it. I think the worst of this round will be wrapping up this evening. Still not going to be good, but I think we're in the worst of it right now, and it improves late today. So this is still smoke coming from the wildfires burning to the northeast of here in Canada. And I don't know what the progress is on knocking those down, but obviously they are still raging. And when you get like this low pressure system where things do the counterclockwise swirl, yeah. we're getting the winds from there. So it's like Wisconsin and Michigan right now, worst, not only in the country, but like in the world. When I was up north, this. I was up north yesterday and I could smell wildfire, but I wasn't yeah. sure if it was just someone having a fire or not. I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the air quality index, Niz said, he, I think he said he saw 180. At one point, and just to put that in perspective, 150 to 200 or 151 to 200 puts you in the red zone of unhealthy air. And this is where, to Niz's point, obviously people who have breathing issues, if you have asthma, if you have other respiratory issues, you're going to be affected earlier on with the air quality. So you're going to have a tougher time. But this is to the point where people, even those who are otherwise healthy, are still going to struggle to do some outdoor activities, particularly young ones or people on the, you know, people who are older. To the point where Niz said, look, if you were going to have the long run today, you were usually do six miles, uh, cut that in half. Like, it will affect you. Yeah. Even if you're like, no, I'm good. I don't have issues. Like, it will affect you. And that, uh, as Eric indicated, probably hanging around through today, through tonight as well, and then maybe getting a little bit better tomorrow. Uh, you mentioned in the news, Eric, these uh, plans that are out for options for what we're going to do with Brady Street in Milwaukee in terms of curbing reckless driving. You mentioned one of the options is, as has been discussed, to shut it down to vehicle traffic and make it basically a pedestrian mall. But you said there were four options. Any, so, anything on the other three? New study commissioned by the Brady Street Business Improvement District. So they have these four options that they've released this morning. And there's two that have a somewhat stopping of the traffic one with four blocks and the other one a little bit shorter than that. But then there are other options as two. Uh, one option is enhanced intersections. So speed tables. Speed table. Define would, that for yeah, me. Yeah, would be built at three intersections. The speed tables would elevate motorists to the level of pedestrians to slow speeds and calm reckless driving. So the speed tables extend north. And south, partially along side streets to create a plaza-like space that could be closed off for traffic events. So if, it, if I'm understanding that right, it would lift up the road to the same level as the sidewalk. Um, there would not be any parking in those areas. Traffic and transited access would all be the same in those options, but okay. it would actually elevate the driver to the level of the pedestrians. I don't think this is the same thing we're talking about, but if you've ever visited where I live in Greendale, little downtown area, the village area right by Village Hall, 
there are a couple of blocks of some nice shops and restaurants and things like that, and people are encouraged to walk. You park your car and you get out and walk. Yeah. And the couple of the crosswalks there have now been elevated, I think kind of like what you're talking about. So it's not a speed bump or a speed hump. It's like an elevation when you approach the the crosswalk. It's very well marked. It's got lines all over it to let you know, like, hey, look here. And it forces you, it does force you to go slower through there. That is, if you're concerned about damaging your car or other people's lives, which is one part of this equation that is not being factored in, is if you're driving your stolen Kia, you don't really care whether there are any traffic calming measures. But it's neither here nor there. And we should point out that some of the issues that have happened on Brady Street aren't from a stolen vehicle per se, but just someone who is reckless driving too, yeah. though. Uh, so and getting a- everybody to slow down. It is it right. is too fast. Even otherwise responsible people, maybe not paying attention, maybe going a click or so too fast through there, could help if everybody slowed down. Here's another one. An enhanced corridor. This would be option two. Enhanced corridor. An enhanced corridor would transform Brady Street from Humboldt to Farwell into a four-block curbless environment. Raising motorists to the level of pedestrians to slow speeds and calm reckless driving. So throughout the the, the whole distance, there's yeah, no sidewalk stretch, v right. road. I, that sounds like the opposite of what we want to do here, isn't the it? The curbless street would be designed to extend north and south, partially along side streets, to create a plaza-like space that can be closed off. Up to 50% of on-street parking spaces would be removed along the corridor there in Brady. Okay, neighbors probably unhappy about that who live a block away because... I, I guess how much more clogged can already clogged be, and then they have <laughs> right? right. There's two other options that have enhanced corridors, but they also have the uh, people only. So like a two block stretch, ones from Brady. Let's see here, Brady from Franklin into Warren would be uh, closed off to private vehicle traffic. The other one would be a little bit longer than that. I wonder how close to reality any of this is, though. If those are the four options that they're studying, all of those are some pretty major interventions, as opposed to just. Uh, add another set of street lights and or stop lights, and then add some more lighting. And does it does it matter that this has been commissioned by the bid? I mean, the fact that it's a business improvement district that has commissioned the study does that change whether or not this is like a legitimate opportunity in that area, or that the businesses are interested? I think in doing it does. Something like like you want it's not to, the city saying, "Hey, we want to do this thing." Yeah, and I think if you're if you're the common council and uh, the People who are going to ultimately make the decision on how that street is is changed, if at all, yeah, you want to know that there's buy-in from the community. Now, that doesn't necessarily speak to all the neighbors. Business Improvement District, those are business owners and other interested parties whose intentions or whose desires may differ from those who are residential. What was our what was our guy who called the the people in the skyscraper the sky people sky people yep, yep. <laughs> he testified at one of those committees he like the people on prospect right some of these folks might be sky people who just come in for their businesses and there is a, a fifth option Vince that says flood the street not, not and turn it into Venice have gondolas well look so again it was that that far off base for me to. <laughs> to have believed you when you were teasing me that the Common Council was going to consider flooding Brady Street and turning it into a Venice-style thoroughfare, like a canal thoroughfare. Yeah, pretty remarkable. The summer on the uh, Brady Street would be pretty cool. If you look at some of, <laughs> some of the ideas that are on the table here, are they that far removed? <laughs> yes, what that? are you talking are. about? It'll be interesting to see what they do with that, If you, but making something more plaza-like. 
and making it more uh, open to uh, pedestrian and, and hopefully slowing down some drivers. That'd be great. You know, I think it's different in the winter and the summer, though, too. And I wonder if there's any flexibility uh, about that, because it's one thing to talk about. We have these plaza spaces, not that we don't enjoy you know, a beverage outdoors here in in the great state of oh, Wisconsin. Absolutely or, phenomenal. But generally speaking, you're going to see more foot traffic on Brady Street through these summer months when people want to be out and they'll park they'll park their car three, four blocks away yep, yep. and walk in and just enjoy it. You're not going to do that when it's three degrees. So I wonder if there's flexibility in some of these plans to alter what that streetscape looks like during those months when really more people are in their vehicles and fewer people are out there walking around. 8.45 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Forty-nine on this Tuesday morning, Wisconsin's morning news. Several quick stories I want to get on the record with you this morning. All from the chaotic streets of Milwaukee. This one this morning from WTMJ's Wyatt Barmore-Pooley that it's not just the Kia boys, also another group out there called the Via Boys now, who are not only stealing cars, driving recklessly, and causing mayhem on the streets, but they're now beefing with each other, are these two groups. And that apparently is behind the latest high-profile shooting in the city. You've got the 15-year-old now charged with shooting six other teens following the Juneteenth celebration last week. More on the suspect. He had been convicted, according to Wyatt's story, Eric, of armed robbery in 2021, was on an ankle monitor stemming from a weapons charge from earlier this year. So just breaking this down for you, the guy just two years ago was convicted of armed robbery, somehow was out of prison already, then able to be charged again with a weapons charge and still out on the very effective electronic monitoring and now accused of shooting six people just 15 years old. And then on top of that, the, the part that was interesting to me is we've heard of the Kia boys. These are these guys made famous in the YouTube video mm-hmm. that go out there and show you how they go out, steal cars and do that. Now we have the Via boys as well. And apparently these two gangs don't get along. Right. So they're almost competing with each other yeah. too now? That's not going to help us. Kia boys v Via boys. So that is happening. Also from the streets of Milwaukee for the second day in a row reporting on the shooting of a grade school age child. Seven-year-old yesterday. Today, nine-year-old boy is expected to recover after being shot. That was late Monday. Happened 35th and right. Police looking for suspects in that one in the earlier shooting. And I don't see any additional detail from Milwaukee police on that. But uh, we did note that the child's mother was arrested, that seven-year-old who was shot. Child's mother was arrested, but I have not seen any additional information on charges or a criminal complaint on that one. And then finally this, told you about this guy last week on trial for attempted homicide after shooting at cops. He's, he's on trial, and he had been showing up to court. He was released on a $100,000 bond. So we've talked about whether or not we're setting bond or bail high enough in some of these cases Guy was on a $100,000 bond, so probably fits with the crime that he was being held for, and he posted. Imagine the judge didn't figure he was probably going to get out, but somehow he posted, but had been doing what bond is supposed to do. He had been showing up for his court appearances. He had been, as far as anyone knew, knew, complying with the law and innocent until proven guilty, so the bond is just there to make sure that you go back to court. So he had been doing that. So not faulting the judge in this case, that seemed reasonable. But then gets to the last day of trial, and ultimately the day the jury deliberated and convicted him, Donnie Darnell Williams is ghost. No show. The attorney said he got a text from him late in the morning because the judge is giving a, hey, where's your guy? Yeah, yeah. 
He said he was, I can't remember if it was stuck in traffic or something else. He had some excuse, but I'm on my way, I'm on my way, and he, he never showed. So court proceeded. They went ahead and finished the testimony. They wrapped up. They assumed they had closing arguments and whatnot from either side. The jury got the case. They deliberated. A matter of hours later, they came back with the conviction. So he's convicted, but he's not there. Right. He's in the wind. The 43-year-old, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, was booked into the Milwaukee County Jail on Saturday, though it's not known the circumstances that led to his rearrest, but this time not going anywhere for a while, due to be sentenced at a future date, could get up to 60 years in prison. Donnie Darnell Williams got a couple more days of freedom. 852 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Eight fifty six on Wisconsin's Morning News, closing out our portion of the broadcast day. Skis Steve Scafidi is in this house. I thought you gave me a new nickname, Skis. Oh, Ski Skeevy. I haven't skied in forty years. What kind of ski? Are you downhill or are you a water yeah, ski guy? Down. Well, I used to water ski a lot. When I was in college, we we water skied every weekend. We even water skied on Lake Michigan, which is not, not advisable. The water's cold. It makes you stay up though. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't want to fall well, down in that. You fall in that, you're going to feel it. Take it's, off from the pier if ooh, you can in that one. Good to see you back in Eric's the Eric's just back from up north. Yeah, it's good to be back. You're a water skier, aren't you? I do water ski. I did not water ski this past week. When's the last time? How old were you? How old was yeah. it? It was last year. Oh, last maybe year. Maybe two okay. years ago now. Feels a little different now, though, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it feels a lot different. I skied last summer for the first time in a long time. How was the getting up process? Because that's they say it's tougher when you get older. Uh, didn't have any trouble getting up. It was more no. of staying up, <laughs> getting down. I think, you know, it depends on who's who's dragging you. You know, if I mean, if you've got a boat that's really designed with a yes. big, powerful yeah. motor, that's going to, you know, if you've got the pontoon boat with thirty-eight people on it, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're fighting. You're fighting. You're hauling this guy come up. On, it's going to take some some on. motor power. Pulling on that. I, I did put that back on my bucket list because it's been, as I said, it's been a long time. So I was on a pontoon boat ride on Tishigan recently, and I said, you know, I'm gonna, I want to water ski again because. That was my life in college in sure, the summer. Yeah. And it's, man, it's a great way to spend a day. Oh, for sure. It's the best. But, man, I, I now this age, like one and done. All right. I yeah, just Thank taste. you. Right? A taste. Right? Yeah, you don't need Did to do that. it all day. You can yeah. feel it the next then you, day. Then you sit on the boat and then have cocktails and get mm. sunburned and all that. Couple laps, give them the, okay, yep, <laughs> take me in. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Wrap it up. 857, Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ. Um, it has kind of a, a weather theme to it. Oh, like wait, wait, what's the name of it? Niz always buys the craziest stuff. You ever go to, like, the fireworks tent or the store? These things got obnoxious names. <laughs> the rain bomber. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's uh, uh, one is called Polar Vortex. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>